It's the Doc Jacques, your addiction lifeguard podcast. I am your lifeguard on the beach of life, Dr. Jacques Bruker, a therapist and addiction specialist, here to help you survive the perils of addiction. There's no need to drown. There's no need to suffer. Let's bring you back to sane, stable, and sober, where you can once again thrive. So don't drown. Get out of the water and live. to be real clear about what this podcast is intended for. It is intended for entertainment and informational purposes, but not considered help. If you actually need real help and you're in need of help, please seek that out. If you're in dire need of help, you can go to your nearest emergency room or you can check into a rehab center or call a counselor like me and talk about your problems and work through them. But don't rely on a podcast to be that form of help it's not it's just a podcast it's for entertainment and information only so let's keep it in that light all right have a good time learn something and then get the real help that you need from a professional yeah to give some free advertising to a couple of my friends, Dave and Ashley Willis. Dave and Ashley Willis are with a group called XO Marriage. They have a book that I use all the time in my practice, and I highly suggest it for those of you uh, who practice faith and are struggling, particularly with sex addiction or pornography addiction, or you know, you can generalize that to other addiction. They have a wonderful book called The Naked Marriage. And um, they were so kind as to put me on their podcast, and um, I really did appreciate that. But I really do believe in what they are doing. And there are a million books on recovery out there, and addiction, and um, suggestions, and treatments, and all kinds of things. But their book, The Naked Marriage, and it's been out for a little while now, um, really a wonderful book. Get a copy of it. You can still get it on Amazon or your local bookseller if there is such a thing anymore. (laughs) The Naked Marriage by Dave and Ashley Willis. Great book. Go get it. It might help. We admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Step 5 of the 12-step process. This step is one that's kind of interesting for people because it's one where you are finally saying out loud the things that have been troubling you and plaguing you and bothering you for probably most of your life, at least since you were old enough to recognize that something was not quite right and you were maybe began the journey of anger and resentment. But it's an interesting step because most people that I work with and that I have witnessed going through step five are really hesitant a lot of times to do it because they have to now say out loud to themselves and to everybody, God, the things that they feel resentment about. It is probably perhaps the first time that they have been able to undertake a process where they are understanding that they need to change. You see, 
resentment and anger are the things that I believe are fueling most of people's addiction and addiction behaviors. And if you have listened to my other podcasts, you've heard me endlessly say that we drink, we use drugs, we act out our behaviors of addiction because we are uncomfortable. And being uncomfortable is really the thing that you're trying to extinguish. It's not that feeling uncomfortable is unbearable, because uncomfortable is just something that we all experience. It's part of the human experience, right? But if you are uncomfortable and powerless, now that becomes intolerable. And so we use drugs, we get high, we try to get away from it. I watch people every day go through the reliving of their traumas in their life, and they feel it. And that's the other thing about addicts. They sometimes are labeled as being insensitive or unfeeling. And I say it's actually the opposite. I say that my experience tells me that addiction and addicts that are engaging in addiction is caused because those addicts are super feelers. They have a surplus of feeling, an excess ability, an excessive ability to feel. They feel more than most people do because they have been attuned to their feelings because they have not been able to experience positive things in their lives that allowed them to understand that feeling better is a way and there is a path to it that is accessible to them. They don't really understand that. They don't experience it. Addicts live their lives completely isolated from reality and from everybody because of their pain and their resentment. So this fifth step, the one where you are saying it out loud, what you're doing in from a Christian perspective, the person that you're talking to, your mentor, your, your sponsor, the person that you have entrusted your recovery in the hands of is a person who is just bearing witness for you. They're bearing witness to you talking about your pain and it, confessing, confessing your pain. It's really interesting. When you have a lifetime of problems that has gotten you where you are now in your addiction and now in your recovery, you probably have years, years and years and years of experiences a very traumatizing stuff. And then you picked up the drug of choice that allowed you to self-traumatize. And that's where the trouble begins when you self-traumatize. Because most people don't like feeling uncomfortable to that degree. It's unacceptable. It's intolerable. So that fifth step is, is one where you are allowing yourself to really jump into an experience of recovery. You are saying, basically, I'm going to reveal, I'm going to turn the light on in the darkness of my resentment and anger. I'm no longer going to continue to, to live in this isolation. So when, when you live in that isolation and you live with that trauma you're living with shame, you're living with anger and resentment, isolation, contempt for p- 
people, for situations, for yourself, for family members, and you bottle all that up inside, you contain it inside, but yet you are still feeling it. So step five is your chance to turn the light on, shed some light into that, that agony of your pain. So if you think that you're going to just kind of, <laughs> in step five, just kind of go over it in a cursory manner, you know, just kind of just quickly go through it. You know, most people, if they do their steps correctly and they've gone through step four, they have 10, 20, 30 pages of handwritten, intensely horrible stuff that they have experienced in their life. And they're going to sit there and go through it. When you confess what's going on, you are expressing the truth about what you've been going through. Confession is something that is in most of our cultures. We, we, we want to get rid of it. You know, bearing witness uh, for somebody who's a sponsor, who's listening to this, I don't know if there are any sponsors listening to this, but hopefully there are. Um, if you're a sponsor and you're watching somebody go through that fifth step, you have just got to be so peaceful <laughs> you got to listen to people as they're expressing what's going on but understand that you are just basically the witness you're not going to take it on and for the people who are going through step five you are not burdening other people with your your sorrow and your pain you're not and that's the thing about addiction is it makes you think that that's what you need to do and that's what you're doing so the the enemy that addiction is has got to convince you that as an addict that you've got to you know no no one's going to accept you no one's going to accept what you say and even worse perhaps they're not even going to believe you so step five is your chance to turn it into a reality and it lessens its power anger is a very powerful emotion and uh, the the extreme form of, of anger, resentment, contempt, um, contempt is, is you know, and rage. People who feel extreme anger and resentment, it's usually aimed at other people, but then about themselves because they're ashamed about what has happened to them. So they refuse to talk about it. They refuse to say anything because they think nobody's going to understand it or they're going to believe it. And what's the good in saying it? And it's, you know what? It's like turning the light on. It's like literally, uh, it's like mold. Mold will not grow in full light. Light kills mold. It, it, it really doesn't like it. It likes dark, quiet, dark, motionless, damp, kind of like a dungeon, right? I've never been into a, I've never been in a dungeon, so I don't know. But uh, anytime you go into a damp dark place and there's moisture there's mold right and that's what it likes calm still consistent horrible (laughs) well that's what resentment does and that's where i mean that's 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 where it lives and that's where anger lives and shame is like the big rock that covers over that hole that keeps the light out where the all all that this horrible stuff is living So when you confess what's going on inside of you and you let somebody bear witness here in the natural, what you're doing is you're relieving yourself 
of something that you think is very powerful and it's taking the power away. It's ta- it, the confession is an opening of that wound and it begins to get healed. And that's why step five is so important to go through because if you don't, you're forever going to be traumatized and re-traumatized over and over and over again from those things that are living in that dark, damp hole where there is no light. So let there be light and let that light shine in and expose all of that stuff because it is not your burden to carry alone. You have not been forsaken because something happened to you. You've been traumatized, but you re-traumatizing yourself is not because you have been forsaken. You have not been ignored. You haven't. And so in the natural, here on this planet, letting somebody bear witness to your pain will take the power away from that pain. That isolation that you feel um, is, is the thing that needs to be eliminated. And so the confession, the, the bearing of your soul is the crack in that isolation and it begins to fall away. So it's important to do that. And when I come back, I'm going to talk a little bit more about just how do you do step five? And then what do you do in the aftermath? So hang on. I'll be back. Hey, if you're struggling in your marriage and part of the problem is intimacy and sex and infidelity, maybe, or pornography, I've got a great podcast suggestion for you. My friends Dave and Ashley Willis host a great podcast called The Naked Marriage. They bring wisdom, vulnerability, and humor to even the toughest marriage topics. Together, they have built a strong following, reaching millions of married couples through their books, their blogs, their videos. Their podcast undresses the truth about sex, intimacy, and lifelong love in a marriage. A Christian faith-based podcast that is really entertaining. The Naked Marriage can be found on any of the podcast platforms that you listen to, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all the ones that you're listening to this one on. Dave and Ashley Willis, The Naked Marriage Podcast. See if listening doesn't give you some help in your marriage and you know what listen as a couple or by yourself either way you're going to get a lot out of it i have talked and talked and talked many many times throughout the day with clients and i also have done it on these podcasts about how to be honest dishonesty, dishonest in our ways of existence, uh, our daily lives, our relationships. Um, that's, that's addicts. We, we do that. We're dishonest until we actually get healed from our traumas. And so when you start step five, you can't just spend, you know, a couple days doing step four. I jotted it down on some notes and then made an an arrangement with my sponsor to sit down one day and just kind of go over those notes. No, 
you need to make sure that when you are preparing for step five that you have honestly prepared for it. So did you did you really become honest? You know, the only two people that are going to be in, in here on the planet that are going to be aware of this honesty are you and your sponsor. So there's no point in being dishonest. Can you can you be honest? Can you can you make sure that everything on that those pages that you've written down they are the truth. They are the reality of what you actually experienced and the things that you have done. See, that's part of it too. It's like you got to talk about the stuff you did. But are you willing to take full responsibility for your feelings and your perceptions, your behaviors, your actions, your beliefs? Are you going to be honest? Because honesty is the key when you are confessing the truth. That's one. Two is that it's very important that you be able to disclose those intimate things about yourself to another person. Because if you can't, if you don't feel like you can with your your sponsor, you you need to get another sponsor because it, it's not. And as sponsors, we're not supposed to take that personally. It's like, hey, you know, it's whatever gets you to the place where you're sober. But um, you got you got to be honest. And if you can't be honest, then you're not going to be able to to really get there. And so can you really, really, truly be honest? And, oh, in my time of working with addicts and recovery, I can tell you, um, I have been able to bear witness to um, some some incredibly um, painful things. I The things I've heard, the things that I've experienced in, in my clinical life as, as a uh, psychotherapist and addiction work, um, it's just it's it's just shocking and it takes a lot for the person who is bearing witness to it to be able to withstand that that's true but we are here to do that it's not something we can't do so it, it, when you're going through step 4 you really need to make sure that you're honest in step 4 so that in step 5 you can say it you've got to be able to say it and you know, again, that's that's the light that's being shown into the uh, darkness that that clears all the the horribleness there. So um, you have to trust the person that you're working with completely, and understand that the person that you're working with has also gone through that recovery process and has gone through step five as well. So that's why it's really, really important if you're going to start working in earnest on your steps that you do it with somebody that is five, 10, 15, 20 years or more into recovery, not eight months or a year, year and a half. That's just, I'm sorry, but that's just not long enough to really do honest step work. Uh, that's robust and, and uh, cleansing, if you will, because the person that you're, who's acting as your sponsor and, and no, I'm not criticizing people who want to do that. They can, but you know, surface C kind of not really in depth, you know, you're not really there yet. Kind of step work is, it's okay. Cause you're supporting people and you want to go out and do that step 12 thing and reach out and help. Yeah. Okay. But you know, the, really the, the, the real step five and four stuff um, really requires somebody who is, fully centered and peaceful with their own recovery and themselves. And so that they can bear witness to somebody who has gone through stuff. Cause I, I will tell you as a professional, the level of traumas that um, many addicts have experienced is just, it's shocking in its depth and it's, and it's severity. 
And it takes a lot to not be reactive to that when you're bearing witness to it. So you got to find somebody you trust and you believe actually can do that for you. And and if you can't, then don't, but you know, just go find another sponsor. It's okay. Um, so once you've, once you've been able to sit there and do that, you've got to take some time. You know, I, I, I it's got to be something that you, it's going to throw you off for probably days, maybe longer going through step five, saying it out loud, because what you're doing is you're reading your life and you're reading your life of trauma to someone basically. And it's a m- many pages of it. And so you got to give yourself time to recover from that experience. And by recover, I mean, emotionally, um, sometimes it's physical. Some of my clients uh, who have, have uh, relived their traumas um, through that bearing witness process, allowing me to bear witness to it. It has taken them, you know, they'll spend a weekend and they just, they can't, they just shut down. Um, it's, it's a shock. I think is probably what it is mostly. It's the shock of the experience. And so give yourself the time to recover from that because what you're going to do in step six is you recognize that you have these defects of character, right? That, that searching moral inventory of your character defects in step four, you've got these character defects. And now what you're going to do is ask for God to remove those defects. And you're going to start to live your life as if you're not defective. Um, and, and it's a very important part of that recovery. So you got to be able to allow yourself time to kind of catch up emotionally to where you are in that traumatization. So give yourself time, recover mentally and spiritually and emotionally so you can start to move towards that next step in the step process, step six, entirely ready to have God remove all defects of character. So get ready for healing is kind of what's happening there. And so when we experience step five, it is a difficult, challenging thing to do. And the more severe your trauma, the more challenging it is. I'm not going to lie, but you will recover from it. And it's that exposure thing. The analogy I use is the equivalent of like when you're um, dealing with as a, as a burn victim and you've got to go through the debrading process where you, you you know, you got third degree burns over 60% of your body and you've, you've got, you know, you got these wounds that are covering you. And then in the burn units, they're just scrubbing you down with these sponges um, to, to get the dead tissue off your, off your body because it'll get infected. And then also, you know, it helps reduce the scarring so you can move, but um, you can't give a pain medication to somebody that's going through that. So you got these people are just being scrubbed and it's painful. And that's kind of what recovery is to me. I, I use that analogy all the time. It's like being in a burn unit, like you are severely burned because you're damaged in that way. And you've been, your, your skin is traumatized and, and the healing starts when you start scrubbing the dead skin off and allowing the new skin to come and the scar tissue to form to heal, right? You, and you will have scars. You're going to have scars. When you come out of the step four and step five and you get into full recovery, you're going to have scars, you know, but wear them proudly. Those scars were caused by things that have happened to you. So understand there's going to be scars. And like uh, my wife keeps telling me with my scars of 
of my body from different things that have happened to me. Chicks dig scars. <laughs> That's what I'm going with. I think guys like scars too. Because they show that you've actually survived something. And it's made you stronger and better and wiser. You have wisdom. And that's the thing I really appreciate about people in recovery is that they are the ones who actually have done this hard work, done the hard work of step four and step five and, and step nine. Oh, man. So they've done this work and they feel strong. They are centered. They, owe, they know who they are. They have been able to experience life in a way that's really traumatic, but then they've healed from it because they've been through a living hell. And they actually are the only ones that I really ever meet that fully know who they are because they had to do this fearless, searching, moral inventory and then confess those horrible things and those resentments and angers to someone in a very strong and hopefully faith-driven way. So they come out of recovery and they actually know who they are. They might be a little odd and they have blue hair and they kind of dress funky and maybe they got a weird affect about them, you know? But they actually, if you talk to them, they're good people. They're centered, they're focused, they understand who they are and, and what they have to offer people. And so that is why they really truly are enjoyable to be around, even though they've been through a living hell because they've recovered. And you can too. So if you just start working the steps and you really believe that you can get into recovery and get healed from your addiction, guess what? You will. But you have to start somewhere. And so I encourage everybody who has an addiction problem to please get into recovery. Start that step. You can reach out to me. You can reach me through my website, wellspringmindbody.com, or you can reach out by uh, email or phone or numbers to reach me but get the help you need I know I've got people listening to this in different countries and um, there are recovery processes and people that can help you in recovery the AA, NA, SA any of the A's they're all over the world all you gotta do is just go to a meeting go to a treatment center go to a detox center start the process man you don't have to keep killing yourself it's just not worth it it's not you dying doesn't solve anything and you being gorked out of your brain because you're an addict doesn't help thanks for listening i hope that you have enjoyed this podcast tune in again pick up the podcast and listen and if you have any suggestions for topics or you want me to talk to you then you can let me know i'll catch you on the next podcast thanks for listening